Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the next chapter. Uh-uh, wrong song. Welcome to the next chapter. I think our music faded out a little bit. 
I don't know how that happened. But, you know, we're working out the kinks. This is Blog Talk Radio. It's also over the computer. So if your internet go down, something go wrong with the network, there will be problems. But we're talking about the next chapter, y'all. We're talking about how to get over the hump. We're talking about the hump day of life, and we're talking about getting over it. So we're going to break this down. We're going to introduce the host, and we're going to get into the show. So for all those who want to know what the next chapter is, I'm going to read the official description, and then we're going to get into it. Welcome to the next chapter radio, TNC Radio, where we will always be diving into open, in-depth conversations about dreams, determination, and dedication, and the journey taken to realize them. Focusing on transitioning from one level to another and recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter. And we're going to tune in tonight, which y'all should be doing already, with your host, A-Town and Gypsy Soul Child. Now, with that, let's do some introductions because this is a revamp of the show. It used to be me and another host, Joy Joy, and now it's me and my god brother, Gypsy Soul Child. So, Gypsy, I know you did this last yes, week. Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and who am I speaking to? I am an ignorant intellectual. Uh, (laughs) Hailing from Cleveland, Ohio, by way of New York, New York, by way of Atlanta, Georgia, by way of any place funky USA. Now, with that being said, um, I don't really like talking all about myself. You may hear some things that you like. You may hear some things that you don't like but they're always thought-provoking and somewhat controversial. This is just the way I get down, not just on a radio show, but in life. So let's get into it. <laughs> what, the, what, the, what the man is saying is sometimes he has problems with the filter, but that's okay. I'm controlling the mic. If he get too off the hook, we can calm him down with a nice mute and then get back to him. All right, so <laughs> I am a child. I am also hailing from Cleveland, but right now I'm in Pomona, California. I'm a nomad. I've lived a little bit of every place. I've lived outside of Chicago. I've lived, I've, I lived in D.C. I lived in New York. Shout out to Brooklyn. And then um, I also oh, lived in oh. Queens. Bo- bo- and then, you know, but my heart is always with the 216. Um, I'm a poet by another name. Um, you know me by the boogeyman if you if you if you know me by that world. Um I'm not only a poet, I'm an author. I'm a playwright. Um I am now a doctoral intern. I'm a dissertation away from having doctor behind my name. So I'm gonna take care of that. So about this time next year y'all be talking about Doctor A Town. Right now it's Doctoral Intern A Town. And so what I do is I bring real life experience and also a clinical perspective to our topics. And um, what um, Gypsy Soul Child did not tell you, which I always like to bring up, he is a bibliophile, which means he reads everything. And his specialty is listening, I mean, reading biographies and autobiographies. So there are a lot of life lessons that he brings to the table just through his knowledge of other people's lives, which is one of the specialties because when we talk about going to the next stage, when we talk about the next chapter, he adds things in aspects in from other people's lives that gives us pointers about how we might better 
be able to do it. And like I said, he's an ignorant intellectual. So it's just some fun stuff. So, and the nature of my show is like this. Everything is honest. Everybody say, keep it real. We don't keep it real. We keep it honest. Reality is what man makes. We treat it honest and we keep it true. So when you call up, if you call in, just say your opinion about whatever the topic is. We ask that you do be that you are concise. You know, no no um, Bibles or Iliads or very long stories like Roots. Try to make it concise. Get in, get out, make your point, and there you go. And so, like I said, this is all about going to the next chapter. In other words, when we get to those precipices or those plateaus where we have to get to that next echelon, next level of life that next step, that, that new beyond where we're used to, where we know, we talk about how to do that. And we're going to start having guests on who've been through their journeys, who can talk about their journeys. Right now, we're just getting used to the show and the format, so it's going to be us for about the first month or so, and then we're going to start bringing on people. And if you got a story, let us know, because we will bring you on, because this is not about celebrity or fame. This is about getting to the next chapter, and that's however you got to it, whether you're famous or whether you just got to the next chapter of your life successfully and you just live in your life without fanfare or anything else. So we want to let you know that if you want to type in questions, we finally got the Instagram up, and the Instagram is the next chapter t.n.c, no spaces, the next chapter t.n.c, and you can be in us there and then that way, if you don't want to get on this, um, there and ask a question, well, you can ask it that way. So that brings us to the next part of the show. So what we do is we recap the last show, and we talk about the topic of this show. But at the end of each show, we make affirmations, things that we plan on doing that week, or in this case, two weeks with our lives. So, Gypsy. What was your affirmation for the last show? Man, I've been so busy. I have forgotten. I'm going to be honest with the people. We keep it honest. I have forgotten it. More than likely, I did it. Trying to be a better man, trying to be a better person, uh, trying to be a better provider for my family, trying to be a better person in in the world, from not only for myself, but for the world in general. So, with that being said, two weeks ago, I believe that's what I said. Check the files in case I'm wrong. But if that is what I said, I'm moving steadily towards it. Okay. Well, then that's a, that's a dope thing. So, we want to always make our affirmations and keep our affirmations. Oh yeah. So, my affirmation All right, just got a message that we might be having some feedback. So, yo, if there is anything like feedback on the mics or you hear double up, let us know and we will try to fix it. I don't know where it's coming from, but we will make it work. So, my affirmation was to read more. And I said I was going to read Tony Morrison's Beloved but I got sidetracked because I've been doing a lot of, I've been doing study on the body, the biological aspects of emotion, releasing emotions, meditations. So I'm actually in three books. One of them is um, a medical clinical book and it's talking about um, 
where our emotions emanate from clinically. Then there's one called the emotion code, and another one is called on becoming supernatural, and that's on transcendental meditation, and the other one is on more like Reiki and releasing energy and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been in it, you know, and, and I like it. It is dope, and I'm figuring I'm going to keep it up. So, yeah, so kudos to us for keeping up our affirmations. Affirmations are good, and the reason you want to do affirmations is because they keep you focused and they keep you aligned. And that's a great thing to be because sometimes we get caught up in living life and we lose our way. We forget what we're doing. We don't we, – we, we, we get this short-term memory where we start dealing with our most immediate needs and we forget our goals, and we don't want to do that. So what we want to do is we want to keep focus on – our affirmations and our goals and what we want our life to look like. So the last thing we talked about was working through pain. Remember that, Gypsy? Oh, yeah. We were talking about working through pain. And there's two aspects of pain, working through pain and also overcoming pain. And a lot of people mix the two up. So what we're going to do, oh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Somebody listened to the show, and they said it was feedback, and come up, talking about they got two windows open. All right, you tech-savvy, non-tech-savvy people, let's get this together. So we're talking about working through pain. Right? And we just talked about what it looked like to not overcome the pain because working through it and overcoming are two different things. We're just talking about ways of dealing with your situation because a lot of people say, well, if I'm going to get through this, it's going to be beauty on the other side. And sometimes you don't know that. And we set ourselves up for failure because we put up this false identity of what pain is. And then when it doesn't meet our standard, we become helpless and hopeless, and then we start to give up. So we basically talked about things that you can do to work through pain. We talked about positive self-talk. We talked about having a support system. We talked about having realistic expectations. And as Gypsy so eloquently pointed out, sometimes we need to take a break from our struggle and just enjoy life and then get back to it. We all need a rest. So last show was talking about working through the pain. This show, we're going to talk about overcoming pain. And we're going to get into that later, but we want to let you know what we're going to be talking about today. Today's topic is going to be overcoming pain. What is it? What do you need to do, and how does it look to overcome your pain? And that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, we always have our topic of the day. And... When we have our talk, talk, um, topic of the day, I never tell Gypsy what it is because I just want his raw reaction, right? So today's topic, and if you have anything to say about this topic, you can call in at 646-668-2574. Again, 646-668-2574. We're talking about the appropriation and reclaiming of our culture. So in other words, we see all these things on, on – I have this 
subscription to this thing called Column. And so what happens is it's an online magazine that pulls black stuff from every place. And so you're talking about, like, black cowboys, right? We're talking about um, things that we do in our culture and all this other kind of stuff. And we're talking about stuff like it's new. We're talking about, oh, like, on, we're always on, the black cowboys. Hold on, hold on, book. Hold on, book. Because I, I, hey, town, I gotta, I gotta stop you there. I, I, I gotta okay. interject because that's an oxymoron. Cowboys and saying black cowboys is an oxymoron because True cowboys is actually what we were, what black cattlemen were called. Because remember, we weren't men. We weren't allowed to be men. We were always boys. So how they emasculated us was calling us cow, which was the female for bull, right? And then boy, which was never going to be, um, which was never going to be adults. So that's how the term cowboys came to back came to be. And they only called black cattlemen cowboys. So well, see, that's, that's, that's why I have you on this. Let's stop saying that. What, what, what I'm saying is that's the point. What I'm saying is is what do we do about this staccato or disjoint concept of history where things are starting to repeat themselves and we're acting like they're new? So there was an article that says black people are upset because there's not enough of their history taught in schools. So my question is, and the appropriation and now the reclaiming or the claiming of our culture, what is our responsibility to teach our culture? What is our responsibility to teach our history? Do we depend on schools and school systems, or is it on us? What do we do? And if you have an idea about this or a concept, please call 646-668-2574 and weigh in. Gypsy? Whose responsibility is it to teach our culture and to make sure our culture is properly represented to the world and to our people, and specifically to our children? Whose job is it? Okay, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm answer your question by asking you a question. Whose culture is it? It's ours. So anything that is ours that you claim you or you own, you have a responsibility to it. You know, the real responsibility. Say, but you can't say these are my kids and expect somebody else to take care of them. You can't? I've been trying that for years. It ain't worked either. I know. So. I, know, I, know <laughs> I know, but, you know, we can't. I know, but, you know, I almost got it down, but not really. <laughs> no, but the thing um, about it is, is it our responsibility to teach the school so they can teach our children? Whose responsibility is it for the perpetuation cool. of our culture? And is it a joint and, responsibility? And I know you've been in education, and I know you, we've probably got some teachers listening, and I'm about to light a fire. I don't give a damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and we're, and we're in the era of getting now. things canceled, so there you go. Well, you know. It's going to be Dave Chappelle and me. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you start making down. Like, whose responsibility you know, is it? It, 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 it? First off, school teaches you, but it doesn't educate you. 
education starts from the house. So it's not the school's responsibility to show your children manners, just basic stuff. That That's your responsibility as a parent, as an uncle. I believe there's a um, African, uh, yeah, it's African, uh, that says uh, it takes a village. Number yeah, that's one, a good name, Paul yeah, you got it. You have to know that everybody's heard that, but where's the villagers at? So we got to we got to have our village first and foremost. So if you those of us who are conscious and know that that's an African proverb, uh, more specifically as you said, Ghanaian, let's start with that. Just inhabit the village. There has to be a village in place. Unfortunately. From the rooter to the tutor. When I grew up, and when you grew up, we had elders. We had elders. Then we had adults. Then we had the uh, peer group that we looked up to. And then we had our little knothead behind us, right? And each one of those levels, wisdom and knowledge filtered down, right? So mm-hmm. you have to that's that's first and foremost. But somewhere along the line, and I know I'm gonna step on some toes again, but the the civil rights generation, the baby boomers, they did a lot of wonderful stuff, but also they also created a lot of messed up stuff. As in, now we don't just ha- we don't have elders. We have some elders, but we also got this thing just called old people. Being chronologically a certain age doesn't make you an elder, nor does it make you an adult. It just means that you've had more time on the planet. So, so what I'm getting is you're saying that we have we have structure but no culture. We have first. First off, we don't even have the structure anymore. So okay. let's restructure. Get into structure. What, what do we have? So I'm sure. <laughs> we got. We got, <laughs> yeah, we we got, got structure. Listen, listen. Let me let me let me say it to you like this, and I say this all the time. If you have, hey, stay closer to your mic. You're fading in and out. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. If you have. Mama, if you got daughter getting dre- getting dressed to go out to the club, hey, and mama getting dressed in the same outfit to go to the club, hey, she ready, and then you got grandmama getting dressed in the same outfit going to the damn club, hey. What club I are you going to? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. And all y'all chasing the same little nappy-headed Negro, who's at home raising that baby? Who's at home that, raising that's that baby? That's an ugly picture. Hey, well, we, can't say, we, well, we can't say that's the whole of the picture, can we? No, no, we can't that's say not that's the whole of the picture. We can't say that's the whole of the picture, but it's enough of the picture for us to have a commentary on it. So it okay. and, 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 and I ain't just talking about the ladies. I'm talking about the fellas, too, now. I just use mama as the example because mama is the one that teaches and nurtures the baby. Chris Rock yeah. had that so, joke uh, 20-some-odd years ago that mama teaches the 
the child how to read, daddy keeps to make sure that the lights are on so that mama can teach the child how to read. Okay, so let's, let's let's pause for a second. Let everybody know this is the D-Hour Radio Network. This is TNC Radio, the next chapter. And before we get into our topic of the um, topic of the day, um, we are we have a, a popular topic that we talk about. That's what we call a hot topic. So today, right now, what we're discussing is the appropriation and the reclaiming of culture, and whose responsibility is it to teach our culture. If you have anything to say about this, you can call in at 646-668-2574 and weigh in. Let us know what you think. We're interested to hear your opinion. So let's get back to the question. So we got mama, grandmama, and, 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 and baby at the club. So who is supposed to be teaching our culture? Do we entrust any of it to the schools? Now, at that point, we've given over everything to the school. We've given over everything to the school. I, I, listen, I'm saying, should we? No. Are you crazy? No. If you listen, <laughs> <don't tell> me, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to put it to you like this, as far as black folks go. You have had your culture stripped and, stripped and taken away from you since the first African was taken off the Congo. Okay. And then you're going to go into a public school system that are rewriting textbooks to not say slaves, but to say workers, <laughs> indentured workers. True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I, that's I, a real I, I, I haven't seen that book. I'd have tossed that book out the window. Listen, I'm going to tell you, your godson, my son, was in a classroom in Atlanta, Georgia. And okay. I can't, I can't. I'm not. Oh, I'm this not is hot Atlanta. This is this is black. This is black folks. Black folks had a teacher teaching social studies that told him, and I can't even make this up. I wish I was this creative. That aliens <laughs> built the pyramid. Oh my goodness! And was dead serious. My son, so, your godson. Packed his bag and got up and walked out the classroom. Said, "Nope, my daddy didn't taught me this. Taught me better than this. I'm out." While his classmates were like, "Really? Now, in a social studies classroom, you are not allowed to talk about science fiction. Ain't even seen an alien." Hold on, hold on, one second. We we got we got a um we got somebody on the line, so I'm gonna go check him out. You keep talking. Okay, so you got somebody coming in saying that, oh, there's aliens. First and foremost, every Hollywood movie makes you think the Egyptians look like, hmm, who is that? Charlton Heston and, and, and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Now, I've seen Cleopatra and Elizabeth Taylor. She was fine in the movie, but she wasn't fine like a sister fine. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. So you can't you can't break that down to me, and I can't go for that. You know, I I, I hate to I hate to go into some blue eyed soul on the topic, but I'm like Hall and Oates. No can do. I can't go for that. Right? Okay. So listen, we got somebody on the line, and I have to admit this is this is my nephew called from the um from the D.C. area. He got something to say, so we're gonna put him on here, and and, and we 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 gonna get it in. 
So, All right. So, nephew, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. Was, Here's, give us your name. Hey, everybody. I'm. Uh, this is. Uh, this is Dorian Rucker. Uh, I just calling the way in a little bit. Um, I definitely appreciate what you guys are doing. We need more of this stuff going on. Um, and I, I agree with you guys. It's definitely our responsibility. It's our culture, and uh, we shouldn't be dependent on the school system. And I think I was listening to, uh, I think it was KRS-1 the other day talking, and he said that we need to use other resources. I mean, it's no, it's no secret that, that, that a lot of these textbooks that we're reading, they're not, they're not total truth. They're not absolute truth, you know. And uh, we're not the, uh, the United States is not the only history on black people. KRS-1, I think, was talking about looking at Germany's history. And, and French has, I think, France has a big history on African-American and our struggle and everything we went through. So, I think that would be a key pulling pulling things from different resources and not just relying and dependent on the school or the resources we have here in the United States, you know. That's a good point Fair because enough. there are black folks who the people don't know there are black folks in the concentration camps in Germany too, and some black folks died during the Holocaust. People, you know, when we talk about fairness and representing history correctly, we don't like to bring that stuff up. But you know, you know, black folks we we've, we've had the glory of dying a little bit of every place. You know, but listen yeah. to you, Dorn, because a lot of people don't know your history. You know, you used to work with kids, man. So what was it like when it came to dealing with kids and talking to them about culture or just seeing what they knew about culture? Like, what's your experience? It's it's, it's just tough, man. I, I grew up, you know, I, I was raised uh, – I was raised the right way, man. And just these kids nowadays, you, you got a lot of. Uh, I worked in the before and after care center. You got a, you got a lot of video games and internet and music and uh, TV raising these kids, man. And you see that in the culture. I mean, the manners, the respect, the uh, they're where they're where, just where they are in their headspace, man. What they want to do and just how they carry themselves, man. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a good look. And it's just surprising. And like you guys said earlier, you got these people. These kids growing up and having kids before they're ready, and it's kids raising kids, and it's just, uh, it's not, it's not good, man. And it's, and it's hard. It's hard to reach the kids when, when the parents are doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. So right. it takes, it takes, right. it takes things like this for, uh, for people to come together and, uh, to, to get these kids attention on the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, they don't, they don't tell them the, the whole truth of it for all the, the you know, the what's, what's in the music, the, the drugs and the sex and the, and the, and the party, and they don't, they tell the. They tell all the positive stuff about it, but well, not the positive, but they tell all the stuff that seems um, that seems cool about it. But they don't tell you that there's 20, there might be 10, 20 other people that that try to live that lifestyle. They're dead or in jail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't right. Say all that. Right. Oh, and they're not. So, they're not. They're they're, they're not going to say that. But see, I love the fact that you know that that you know these things and that you impart these things. But see, that's what I'm saying. That's a village. So at this point in time, I don't know how old you are, but mm-hmm. you're on the pathway. You're on the pathway to going into eldership. You just ain't gonna be an old cat out here. And I know the stock yeah. you come from. So you ain't. Mm-hmm. So, so I I I, I understand. You're yeah. not gonna be yeah. an old person out here. You're gonna be an elder, the way yeah. you was raised. But but you wasn't raised to be. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some cats that come through, you know, and grow up, and they divert into Knucklehead Alley for whatever reason. <laughs> Is that an actual I, thing? I, I, not joking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's next to not turn Alley in here. In the, in, in, <laughs> I, <laughs> man, 
I was I was one of them. I was one of them, man. I did. I I got in trouble, but the way I was raised and the things that they put in in me, you know what I'm saying? When I started facing these situations, I remember what I was taught, and I and I had the information of what I was getting into that was the wrong way to go before it happened. So when these things started to happen, I started to recognize these things, and I knew which way to go. Right. Yeah. See, I'm 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 five seven, 130 pounds, and I'm and I'm the heaviest I've been in my in my whole life. And I took, and and I did some dumb stuff before, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, look, I'm too cute for prison. I'm good. I'm cool. Let me stay <laughs> On that note, let's, let's, let's let everybody know what they're listening to. Because on that note, they're probably like, what are we listening to? Yeah, this is the, the, the D-Hour Network. This is the next chapter radio. And we're talking about um, today's um, topic of the day is um, the um, jointing of working through pain and overcoming pain. But the hot topic of the day, the topic of the day, the hot topic was um, whose responsibility is it to teach our culture, you know, because um, I saw a post where people were upset that people were not learning their culture in school. So, um, you know, I'm going to break this down, how I broke it down when I was in Europe and I was touring and working in schools. And I felt bad because I didn't do this in America first. But over, <laughs> over there, we had the same complaint. African in Europe were complaining they didn't learn their culture. So then I asked, a simple question. I said, what different nationalities do we have in here? And there was Italian, there was um, German, there was Irish. And I said, how many of you hear your history taught in school? And they're like, no, just the general stuff, and then, you know, however we, we fit in it, but never our history. And I said, how many of your parents would allow the school to teach your history in school? And all of them were like, hell no. They're like, if the Irish dude, like, no, if they tried to teach Irish history in my class, my mother would have a fit. Same with the Italian, and it went down, went down the line. I said, do you know your culture and your history? And they were like, yeah. I said, where'd you learn it? They're like, in the house. Because see, the thing about it, whoever teaches it controls it. And so what we don't understand is when we say that we want the schools to teach our history and our culture, we are actually giving them, imparting them with the control over it and the narrative over it. So, no, I don't want you teaching African-American history. I want you teaching world history, and you leave African-American and African history to the African-Americans and the Africans. But, no, I don't want you teaching our culture. I want you teaching world culture and the interaction of cultures, and then we can fill in the blanks that we want to fill in the way we want to fill them in. But, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not for that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like you said, Dorian, it's like when you see people raised a certain way, you can tell where they got their culture from, you know, yeah. and, and but, that's not cool. But here's the thing. Something, something that you mentioned that, that both of you mentioned and touched on briefly. At a certain point, I think we all touched on this. At a certain point, people don't know. They may, they may want to know, but they don't know. Everybody, right. everybody, everybody didn't come from the stock we came from, and that's not no slant or shade to anybody or or their life, but they have a they have a different starting point, and they and they should have that opportunity to start. So here's the thing: I suggest if you know somebody or see somebody, and you have a conscious or 
quote-unquote conscious mind. Brothers, first and foremost, I'm going to talk to the whole tepid brothers, and y'all know who y'all are. <laughs> Some of y'all are yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I'm walking down the street of New York with my with my lady, you know, and she she's fine. I ain't going to lie. And they sitting there. This guy was like, excuse me, sister, because, you know, the black woman is the queen of the, is, she's God on earth, and, you know, they have the principle. <laughs> oh, nigga, shut up. You just trying to get some. And I'm laughing because mm-hmm. I'm like, you know I'm her man. And what you telling her, I would spend her ear anyway. And I show her <laughs> this stuff anyway. So you can go ahead and back up, back, back up and go talk to that other sister coming down the street. You got a better shot over there. But y'all got to stop. Y'all, brothers, y'all got to stop with that information. Stop trying to get six wives out of it because, you know, in Islam, you can have six wives, and that's how we develop our community. Oh, nigga, please. Like, you know what I mean? We got to stop that. We got to cut that out, first and foremost, because it's an emergency on planet Earth. I believe 40 years ago, uh, George Clinton and them told told you we was an endangered species. And they yeah. damn sure trying to make that come come to light. But they but now they they're dealing they're dealing in propaganda. We don't know what propaganda looks like. You know. Yeah. Well let's bring it back to the topic because we, we run we're gonna have to get to some music and then start moving on. So um, everybody, sum up, and, and to your thing, um, what you said, Gypsy, like, you know, there's people who don't know. So what I want in your summarization is whose job is it to start informing and teaching those who don't know? And, Doran, I just want you to sum up what you think about our culture and who's supposed to teach it and who responsibility goes to. Gypsy, same thing with you, but... Who is supposed to teach the people who are over children and those people over the children don't know? Whose responsibility is it to reach them? And then we're going to get this because what I'm getting is it's our responsibility and we should be in control of the dissemination and the shaping of our culture and the information about it. So y'all tell me if I'm correct or incorrect with that. Um, we're going to go with you, Dorian, and then with you, Gypsy. It's uh, it's definitely our responsibility and um it's it's a big responsibility, but we like you guys said, it's a village, and we don't have to do it ourselves. I mean, I take small steps. I'm involved with nonprofits. I mean, you can get around like-minded people, and then you know what I'm saying that makes the force that much stronger. There you go, Gypsy. There it is. Um, I I I think Malcolm X said it said it best. Uh, sometimes there's always nonprofits and no slant no slant or no shade, uh, Dorian. But even in talking with the people that we know. You're only preaching to the choir. So if you're going to a black church and there's a a white Jesus on the wall, find a new church, first and foremost. They are in in your black church. They ought to be teaching you some sort of black history at some time besides just Martin Luther King and them because you get that in school. If you don't know something, there's always somebody who knows something. Integrate yourself with them. Those people integrate with those people who don't know. And remember, at one time, you didn't know something. And y'all sit there and talk, and you can change this village one person at at a time. Everybody lives on a street or a block or in a building, wherever. 
if if there's not a person in there looking out for the kids and showing what community looks like, you be that person. You start being the example, and you will and you will ripple out into the pond of the of the universe and the world, and more people will come into that fold. Okay, so with start that, you heard that. Look for you. And there we go. So with that, that's our topic of the day. You know, a hot topic of the day, and that is who should be responsible for putting in our culture. Today's topic, though, main topic, is the second part of a series. First part was working through pain. This topic today we're going to get into in the second hour is overcoming pain. And we're going to talk about functional ways. We're going to give you some practical applications of how to overcome your pain. Now, I will tell you, this is not like regular medicine. See, if you go to medical medical um, professionals, they give you a pill, the pill works it out, and you cool. When you get life advice, you get the advice, and then you have to act. You become the pill, and then your life works out. So if you're not willing to do work, this is not the show for you. So if you want to chime in about what we talked about, culture and responsibility, or you want to talk about how you have worked through your own pain, you can call us at 646 646- Six six eight two five seven four. Again, this is the next chapter radio with your host, A Town and Gypsy Soul. And right now we got nephew on the phone. He came and chimed in to join us. We're about to get into some elements, earth, wind, and fire, and we will be back.
okay, I got a question. On that last thing, and I can't sing, that old, that um, Maurice White, didn't that sound like Frankie Beverly in, in another song? Yeah, man. But that's, that's like, that was a no, I'm not saying he copied them, just like with the sound. It's not, it's, it's, no, I mean, you know I'm saying? but like, if that that was that era, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, it's another song. It Like, it, you going to hear this, like, that was like late 70s, you know, kind of funk, early 80s. Type of type of groove that was like what they did. Hey, yeah, that was like they. That was when they was feeling it. That and that's then, like they know, say ho. <laughs> right, like you know everybody <laughs> say ho. That was in the eighties, but you know another thing from that era was ow. Like why did they feel they had to do that? I don't know, but you know ow. Like that was a lyric right there for them. So. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was the lyric. <laughs> that, 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 ow! Like I, I don't know what to say next. Ow! Okay, right, that's right. that's cool. Like, that's like, you know, you can, turn on some Lionel, you can turn on some Lionel song, and here you go. Um, I I need a word here. I need an expression. Just ow! Yeah, that's it. That's you know. <laughs> <laughs> And that is so that is so true, man. And that's funny because I just I'm near the text texting today. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit him up like, was ow a real lyric? Like when you got lost, was it just was it just ow? You know. So, we tripping. Welcome to the D Hour Radio Network. This is TNC Radio, the next chapter radio. And I'm gonna read this just so I don't forget it where we will always be diving into in-depth conversations about dreams, determination, and dedication in the journey taken to realize them, focusing on transitioning from one level to another and recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter. And so we're on here every Monday night, 6 to 8 Pacific time, and that's 9 to 11 Eastern Standard Time. So we just got finished talking about the hot topic of the day, which is whose job is it to instill and teach our culture, ours or the schools, or both, and how that looks. And we had a call in from my nephew. Shout out to Dorian Rucker who called up and said some stuff he said on us with or said online with us for a minute. And the conclusion was that it's our responsibility as as Gypsy said, whose culture is it? And you know, you don't answer them questions because them them dumb dumb questions like <laughs> how dare you not know this. That's why I didn't say our culture quickly, because I didn't want to be the dumb-dumb in the room like I didn't know. But it's our culture, and we have to be responsible. And what I said, the main reason that we need to teach our own culture is because whoever teaches and instills your culture defines it and controls it. And the last thing that we want to do is give over the power to define and control our culture to the people who stole it, mutilated it, and then tried to feed it back to us in some kind of distorted manner. That's just my thought. So if you don't know your culture, find somebody who does. And if you don't have access to somebody who does, then it is your job, and yes, your job, to start educating yourself. And for that reason, you know what? We're going to add a culture section on it. And what we're going to do is we're going to start referring thinkers, books, articles, 
and everything. I know um, Gypsy like we are. Like, yes, we are. To help you, specifically African-Americans, we're African-Americans. We're not trying to appropriate anybody else's culture. If you are another, of another culture and, you know, you want to give us information about who people can study or read to learn your culture, so the listeners who are in your culture who listen to us can get that too. We're good. We're, we're multicultural. We're right here. We, we want everybody to know their culture, and that way we can get a better view of world history. You know what I'm saying? So the first person I'm throwing out is James Baldwin, and the book that I'm throwing out is The Fire Next Time. So if you haven't read it and you're African-American, read that book, James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. Gypsy, do you have one off the top of your head you want to throw out? Wow, I knew you was going I and I knew you was going to go with the fire next time. I just knew it. Um, That's why I said it actually, first. <laughs> actually, I, I I that and that is on my must read uh for African American uh young men um and women. And I'm going to I'm going to throw a balancing act out there. With a uh, with a sister, because I know I'm hard on them sometimes, but I'm hard on them because they are I, they are the world. I'm gonna go with uh, Asada Asada Shakur's autobiography. And for those of y'all who don't know who Asada Shakur is, no, she ain't Tupac's mama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> I, I ain't even being funny. Right That's Afini. Like, Afini is Tupac's mama. Right. Um. Like, they, <laughs> no, like I say, Asada Shakur, and people are like, oh, you talking about Tupac's mama, right? Nigga, no. I mean, <laughs> no. Nigga, no. no I'm, I'm definitely not. Please go sit down. <laughs> you know. So, um, so Asada, and who is it by? Asada Shakur. Now, if you guys you don't go. know who Asada Shakur is, no, hold on, man. If you don't know who Asada Shakur is, she's very important. Um, you guys may know her by her other name, which was Joanne Chesimar. Now, I ain't gonna get. Now, I've given you enough clues. You like Google? Google it, <laughs> and then find yeah. out more. All right. Yes. Yes, and she stays in the news because they still try to pass laws. To try to get Cuba to give her up, they need to, you know, give that one up for real. So, this right. is the next chapter radio on the D-Hour Network. Our call-in number is 646-668-2574. We're about to dive in. Our conversation today is overcoming pain. Our first conversation was working through pain. Now we're talking about overcoming pain. So, Gypsy. Yes, sir. How do you overcome pain? Your personal thoughts on how to overcome pain. Steps, insights, whatever you do, let us know. Step one, ice. Second step, ibuprofen. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> 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 like drugs, drugs, and no drugs. Prescription, of course. Okay, no, but uh, now that we got over the pharmaceutical advertisement for getting over pain, how do you get over pain? Um, you know what? It all depends. It going back to last week, you have to identify the pain and where it's coming from. You know what I mean? There's a thousand and one different types of pain. 
And sometimes one pain may mask itself as something else. So once you go, once you've identified and you're working through it, how you overcome it is by simply, I don't want, how I overcome it is, um, it all depends on what the pain is. So that's not really an easy question just in a one shot answer. That's something that well, you brother, have we got to an hour. Break yeah. it down into pieces. Come on. Okay. So let's just say <laughs> the, the, the most common pain that everybody talks about is somebody broke my heart. Oh, and yes, fellas do too. Yes, yes, ladies, if for those of you who are listening, I'm going to I'm going I'm going I'm going to probably get my man card revoked, but I'm going to tell y'all straight up, we got feelings and we ain't just men and cry on the inside. We may not do it in front of you. <laughs> but we do feel bad and we do get hurt and y'all can break us all the way down. Okay? So, so just talking about that type of pain. Now, dealing with that type of pain, you have to identify, if you really want to get over it, you got to identify all that that entails. You may be a young lady that you're dating uh, as far as a guy, uh, or a young young man that you're dating may have hurt you and broke up with you, but that's a hurt that rings through to some nappy-headed urchin that you was dealing with in the fourth grade <laughs> that you never really got all the way over. So you have to really be not, don't be afraid to dig deep and bring all that up and purge yourself of that. Because if not, you're going to continue to go through that cycle of pain and that cycle of hurt all over again. So number one, just being completely honest and completely raw and digging down and getting up, getting that up out. However you, however you need to do it. Like sometimes it's, you know, I'm a music head. So, um, the first time a woman decimated my heart. There's an album that I was instructed to get by an elder. See how how the how the first part of the, the show comes back. An elder said, hey, amazing? you need this," and that was the Marvin Gaye "Hear My Dear." Ooh. And I yeah, yeah. And anytime for a for a guy. Oh, I heard that, and, and just to hear him screaming his first wife's name, Anna, I was like, yes, oh, Lord, Jesus, Lord. <laughs> you know. <laughs> tell, hey, tell, give, a, give a quick one-sentence um, summarization of Hear My Dear so people know what you're talking about. Hear My Dear is the uh, album that Marvin Gaye, uh, Marvin Gaye was in some financial trouble, and he was going to uh, divorce his first wife, Anna Gordy Gay. And uh, she wanted to take everything. And his lawyers, this is, you know, he had came off of a couple of hit albums, What's Going On, Let's Get It On. And, you know, his lawyers were like, okay, let's do this. Anna, you get his advance money for the album and then all the money that comes from the, comes from the album. And she was like, okay, cool, thinking she was going to get millions and millions of dollars. Knowing her soon-to-be ex-husband was a jerk sometimes, he was just going to go and put together just a craptastic album and be like, here you go. <laughs> but then as the court proceedings went on, he started 
being the artist that he is, started looking at divorce and what that meant and really examining what it was doing to him, both emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and he put all of that into his music. Yeah. So when the album came out, the divorce rates were lower, so people thought it was a, you know, craptastic album. So on one hand, he got he, he did what he wanted to do. But as the divorce rates climbed, the album took on this cult uh, following. And it's now considered one of Marvin Gaye's greatest albums. And even up until the time of her death, Anna Gordy Gaye could not listen to that album at all. So you listened to it because you got it from an elder, and the elder was like, this is going to help you work through your thing. Right. And it, if you go through the cycle that Marvin went through, minus the dope, um, you, can, you can work through and cycle through your pain. It's like a guided uh, meditation, if you will. Okay. So, so far I got what you, what you said about working through um, overcoming pain is being honest, purging, it didn't have some kind of coping skills, some kind of guidelines to work through, like a process, not just trying to just hope it's over, but uh, a, a set of steps to go through to help you get to the other side. Correct. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay, yeah, what else do you do to work through pain? I love it when you take it to college. Um. <laughs> hey, man, I got I have to make all of these student loans worthwhile. And hold up again. This, like I said, this is the DR Radio Network. The next chapter we're talking about overcoming pain. So if you got a story or an idea or a concept or just a belief about how to overcome pain, let us hear it. Six four six 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 eight two five seven four. And if you are alive, you've went through pain, so you have something to say. So um, keep breaking it down. What else is that? It Jip, or you got some more? Well, like you know, I I, I have a friend of mine. She just experienced a, uh, not too long ago, a death of a parent, right? And Mm -hmm. for her, um, you know, fortunately, I'm not a part of that club. That's a club that I can wait a mighty long time to be a part of. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of the things that worked for her was her faith. You know, well, mama's not suffering anymore. The good Lord then did this, that, and the other. And she really dived into her faith-based teachings. You know, I don't, I'm not going to tell you to, you know, oh, go, Jesus going to save you, or oh, you know, Muhammad got the answer. I'm not going to tell you any of that. But if you got some sort of faith or religion, hey, it works for some people. Where it, it, You know, work it. <laughs> Let it work, but yeah. find some find comfort and solace in that. I'm not gonna tell you if you're an atheist. I don't know what to tell you. Um, read a good book. I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, time to get here, my dear, and work it out like you right. did. So, <laughs> right, you know, you know, Prince made a song called "Sometimes in April." I hope it sometimes it snows in April. I hope that works for you. I got nothing. We'll get into that in the second part of the discussion. 
<laughs> yeah. But I mean, I know that that works for some people, you know, leaning on your faith or a combination of the two, you know, talking it out mm-hmm. to somebody, you know, it, 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 you know, it's different for different people. And sometimes some people just need to go off and be by themselves and just, you know, cry or scream or, you know, just however you need to get it out of you. Get it out of you mm-hmm. because you can never overcome it if you're still wrestling with it and still still fighting with it. So you know if faith works for you, then by all means, you know, go to church and wear that kneeler out and pray and just Lord, Lord, <laughs> Lord, just hey, to the cows come home, you know, until Jesus or Muhammad or whoever returns. Hey, hey to to times pray to times get better. Do what you need to do. If that works for you, but you know that's so, the coping so, mechanism that a lot of people use. So what I heard, be honest, purge. You can use music. You can use your faith. You can talk about it. You know, and when we say talk about it, I will say this is a show where we do not make allowance or credence to ignorance or stupidity. So if you say, well, if you go talk to stupid people, it talking it out ain't going to work. Well. If you, in all your great wisdom, pick the dumbest person you know to talk about, then you deserve what you get. We're assuming that you're going to go find someone with the wisdom and understanding to help you through. So we're not making allowance for stupidity or ignorance. When we say something, we're assuming that you're going to be taking the high ground and the high road. So if you're that person, switch that mentality off. So talk about it, and like you said, have an emotional release. Which is, um, I'll get into the. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I know it's about to come. Go ahead and say it. If you're going to talk to a stupid person and then going to turn around and go, they stupid. Well, you went to them, so what'd that make you? You, There we go. So, so first we got be honest, purge, you know, use music or some form of catharsis, you know, lean back on your faith. Talk about it, you know, find people who you can actually work through it with and also have an emotional release. I'm going to get into the clinical benefits of those, and then I'm going to get into how you can frame pain and using this other stuff that um, that um, Gypsy brought up to really overcome your pain. And I mean overcome it totally and don't revisit it again except as a learning experience or a teaching experience. So we're about to get into some Kanye West, and then we're going to get back into the other half of overcoming pain. This is the DIR Radio Network, next chapter, and we are here at 646-668-2574. Let me say that again clearly, 646-668-2574. And if you have any comments about how you overcame pain or any thoughts about how to overcome pain, or any questions about how to overcome your specific pain, call in and let's talk about it. I gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a tough guy. Gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a tough guy. 
back when they thought pink polos are hurt to rock Before Cam got the shit to pop, the doors are closed I felt like bad boy street team, I couldn't work the locks Now let's go, take them back to the plan Me and my mama hopped in that U-Haul van Any pessimists, I ain't talk to them Plus I ain't had no phone in my apartment Let's take them back to the club. It's about an hour I stand online. I just wanted to dance. I went to Jacob an hour after I got my advance. I just wanted to shine. Jay's favorite line, dog, in due time. Now they look at me like, damn, dog, you what I am. A hip-hop legend. I think I died in an accident, because this must be heaven. I got to testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a touch guy. Got to testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. Yeah, yeah. For the day I die, I'm a tough guy. Now let's take them high. Rick got the shit to pop. I'd do anything to say I got it. Damn, them new loafers hurt my pocket. Before anybody wanted K West beats, me and my girl split the buffet at KFC. Dog, I was having nervous breakdowns. Like, man, these niggas that much better than me, baby. I'm going on an airplane, and I don't know if I'll be back again. Sure enough, I sent the plane tickets, but when she came to kick it, things became different. Any girl I cheated on, she cheated on. Couldn't keep it at home, thought I needed a knee alone. I'm trying to right my wrongs, but it's funny them saying wrongs help me write the song now. I gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day you die, you gon' touch the sky. You gon' touch the sky, baby girl, testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day you die, you gon' touch the sky. Yes, 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 who's on third? Lupe still like looping the third. Here like here till I'm bitter on the curb. Peach fuzz buzz, but bit on the verge. Let's slow it down like river on the surf. Bottle shape body like Mrs. Butterworth. But before you say another word, I'm back on the block like I'm laying on the street. I'm trying to stop lying like a mum but I'm not lying when I'm laying on the beat. On God, a touche Lupe cool as the unthaw, but I still feel possessed as a gunshot. Becoming correct as a pawn star. And a fresh pair of steps that my best born call. I represent the first, now let me in my verse right where the horns are like uh. I gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day you die, you gon' touch the sky You gon' touch the sky, baby girl, testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day you die, you gon' touch the sky I'm sorry. I'm just singing a song. Doesn't that sound like um, Alan Fick? You got the magic touch. Does that miss me again? I'm just singing. Mm. Thank you for that because okay. I got a DJ event on uh, Sunday and you just gave me a good mix. Thank you. 
<laughs> I'm asking the question. This brother is like finding solutions. All right, well that that wasn't what I that wanted to do. Now. But you helped me get you helped me get to the next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, this is the hour radio. The next chapter radio was a D hour network. The next chapter TNC radio, and again. I just, I'm a lot like reading this, where we will always be diving into in-depth conversations about dreams, determination, and dedication as a journey taken to realize them, focusing on transitioning from one level to another and recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter. I think I just like reading that because it makes me sound smart. Okay, now getting on to it. So, when we talk about pain and overcoming pain, I'm not talking about getting over it and have it return six minutes, six months, or six years, or 60 years later. I'm talking about really conquering pain and restructuring how it is in your life so it doesn't bother you anymore. And I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt going through. It is going to hurt going through. But it's not going to be this continual perpetual pain that you see people suffering from to the point where they're taking their lives, or they're giving up on life and becoming the walking dead. So I'm going to introduce this term. Some of you might know it. Some of you might not. It's called congenital analgesia or congenital insensitivity to pain. Now, this is a condition where the human body is born and it has no ability to feel pain, none. You don't feel any pain. You can feel pressure, but you can't feel pain. Gypsy, what do you think it would be to live a life where you did not feel pain? Good thing, bad thing, about, in between thing. Are we talking about like physical pain or like emotional or a combination of the two? We're talking about, we, I, I want two answers. First answer, not being able to feel physical pain. And then the second one, not feeling emotional pain. What, what, do you, what, what you think? What kind of life would it be if you didn't see physical pain? Do you know how all the stuff I would have done? I wouldn't be here now. Like that. That on one hand, I'm like, ooh, I'm a superhero, and then on the other hand, it's like, ooh, you will die because <laughs> because like I would do ignorant stuff. Like, ooh, let me see. Look. I bet you I can put my hand in the fire and not burn it and not and not burn it. Okay. And okay, got, so we got that. <laughs> how about emotional pain? How would you think? Well, how do you think it would be if you did not were able not to feel emotional pain? Because emotional pain is also the way I see it is also a form of empathy. Um, and that's really, and that's and that's and that's got to be harder than the physical pain. Not being able to feel physical pain because that's. I mean, I can't imagine not you know some like my grandmother was the was my world. Like she was, if my grand if if my grandmother said something, you know, it was it was like it came off high. You know, and <laughs> yeah, like it was like no, I'm serious. Like my grandmother said it. It was just like you know, it was God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and my grandmother. 
and Jesus could take a step back depending on the day you asked me. When it came to my <laughs> grandmother, like, <laughs> you know, grandma knew everything. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the emotional pain. Not to, yes or no? So would you would you to, want to be able to live a life no, where you do not feel saying, emotional not to, pain? No, I can't imagine, you know, not being able to uh, when when she passed away, not being able to sit here and go, man, man, my grandmother passed, and not feel it, not release, and just be like, my grandmother died. Okay, let's have yeah. some. Can I have some more sherbet? Like you know, it's like that. Yeah, I can't imagine that so, because that a, a part of that is the missing, the longing. I have a son. You would you want to be able to love your son and then teach your kids how you look? You know, it, that I think that's a little bit more devastating to me than the fit, loss of the physical pain, man. Like okay. I get that. Yeah, cause, so let, yeah, let's cause, so let's break this down. Because a lot of people say, you know, man, if I didn't feel pain, it'd be nice not to feel pain, you know, feeling pain and we have this myth about pain as if pain is a punishment. So here's a quick statistic. People who are born with chronic insensitivity to pain or congenital analgesia barely live past thirty. Because by that time, they've done so much damage to their bodies that the bodies just quit. And they don't know because they never felt anything. So what happens is we think pain is this negative thing. Man, I'm feeling pain. What did I do in my life? I'm feeling pain. Why am I feeling it like this? I'm feeling pain. You know, what am I doing that I'm feeling this? And again, we have to go back to next week. Last week in our conversation, we talked about pain. There's basically three kinds of pain. There's a kind of pain that you get from when you work out. You get that burn, and it tells you, man, keep on working. Then you get that pain from trying to lift something that's too heavy that says, you know what? I got to refine my technique. You know, I need to lift this, but I can't lift it this way. And then it's that pain like getting stabbed. That says, you know what? I got to stop this pain and I got to heal it and I got to move on because this is not the kind of pain that's going to be beneficial. But what happens is we look at pain as it's just this negative thing. Like when people go through pain, they think that they're being punished on some level or that they're going through something because they've done something wrong to something or somebody's doing something wrong to them and it's a punishment, it's a consequence, either way it's negative. But what we don't do is we don't look at pain as a sign. Because just like, you know, we have the, um, the three types of pain, you have to look at what the sign is telling you. So we'll go from a biblical perspective. From a biblical perspective, it says that the testing of your faith is worth more than gold purged in the fire. So in other words, when you say you, you take a math class, right? How do you Word. know if you pass the math class? They give you a what? A test. 
Right. Now, is the test? Now, again, we're not assuming that you're not dealing with some sadistic teacher or a clown from it. You know, when you get a test, is a test to make you fail or to harm you or to punish you in some way? Or is the test to prove what you know? The test is to prove what you know. And a lot of us, when we get pain, we don't look at it as a test. We don't look at it, okay, this is a test of everything I've accomplished or everything that I've been through, and this is me applying myself so I can get through the pain. That's kind of the biblical part. Then you have pain as a sign that you need to stop doing what you're doing. A lot of people suffer in life not because pain is their destiny, is because they're not listening to pain. The pain that you're experiencing is telling you, you need to stop this. This is not good for you. You need to go in another direction. And the reason you're still feeling that pain is because you won't let go of that pain that's bad for you. And then there's that kind of pain that tells us this is too heavy. We have to lift it, but we have to do it in a smarter or more innovative way. And you're in pain because you're not listening to it. But if we reframe pain as a sign, and it's a sign that keeps us alive, because just like not being able to feel pain will kill your body, it's shown that lack of connection to emotions makes you psychotic. Our morals and our beliefs are directly connected to our ability to feel and experience emotion. If you don't feel emotions, you have what we call negative affect or negative symptoms, which are the absence of emotional expressions, and we call you psychotic. Or on some level, if, you, if, if the emotions are just off, we might call you delusional. But the lack of ability to access emotions actually dulls you morally and socially. So when we talk about, oh, it would be great to not have pain, well, physically you would die earlier, and emotionally you would become dis- disattached, you would become basically antisocial, and you become what we call a sociopath. And so what happens so, is, so, so so what happens so is when saying, we frame pain that way, go ahead, sir. So are you saying that, like, if I didn't have any emotional pain, I could literally become the joker? How do I know you're going to go there? Yes. (laughs) Yes, sir. You could become the joker. And so what happens is the first way that you overcome pain is you redefine it. Or what in CBT is called reframing it or doing cognitive restructuring it. Quit looking at it as a punishment. Look at at pain as a life-saving mechanism. If you did not feel emotional pain, you wouldn't know when to leave that dude or that woman or that situation or that place. And if you didn't feel physical pain, you wouldn't know when to stop doing what you're doing. And then in the spiritual sense, if you didn't feel pain, you would have never been tested, which means you would have never been prepared, which means you have spent your life just wasting away. So when we get these things that we call painful times or trials, understand these are life-saving events. And that you should thank God for your pain. Because if you did not have your pain, you would be physically or emotionally dead and you would just wither away. So quit looking at, 
what you're doing as suffering or going through is this terrible thing. You have to ask yourself, what is my pain telling me? What am I feeling and how should I react to it? Is this a test to prove what I know and what I can do? Or is it one of those other three pains that are telling me, hey, keep going, modify your way, or walk away from this? And this is where we get. We have past pain, we have present pain, and we have future pain. See, the present pain is what we live in. The past pain is what we subject ourselves to. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. They live in the past, they fret and avoid the present, and they fear the future. And that becomes untenable. You can't win that. So what you have to do is you have to live in the present. Because if you live in the present, you're not going to live in your past pain, and you're not going to live in your future fear. And this is the way you overcome it by reframing and understand the only place that the future exists is in your mind. And the only place that the the past exists is in your mind. You can't touch the future and you can't touch the past. You can only touch right now. And so by reframing it and looking at it like, you know what? The past can't hurt me and the future hasn't happened yet. So the only way the past can hurt you is if you actually re-indoctrinate yourself, reinstitute yourself, juxtapose yourself to the past where you're living in it. But you have to live in the present. And this is how you overcome your pain, by changing how you think about it. Because we think and store memories by emotion. We don't store them chronologically. All your thoughts are stored in emotional compartments. Your sad thoughts are together, your happy thoughts. We talked about this. So what happens is if you live in your negative thought, it's going to bring up all those other negative thoughts. If you live in your happy thought, it's going to bring up all those other happy thoughts. And, yes, things can sneak in, but the preponderance of what you deal with is going to be based on the memories and the thoughts you call to yourself and the emotions tied to them. So, in a world where pain is inevitable, if you have negative thoughts and ideas tied to pain, every time you go through pain, you're going to emotionally and physically suffer because that's the emotion that you've attached to it. Not the physical. The physical is because of the actual pain. But the emotional is going to be because you've attached these negative emotions and thoughts to pain. But if you reframe pain as, you know what? This is a sign. This is a life-saving thing that's going to help me get to the next place. I just have to figure out what this pain is saying. Then when you start going through pain, you don't start feeling helpless. You don't start feeling abandoned. You don't start feeling abused. You actually start feeling blessed, like, hey, something or someone, the universe, God, or whatever is trying to save my life. They're giving me this pain so I can rectify my life and what I'm doing to get to this next chapter. And this is how you overcome pain, by looking at pain for what it is. It is a sign. It is not a negative thing. It is not something that's meant to tear your life apart. It's meant to save you. And understand, like I said, if you don't have physical and emotional pain, you're going to die early physically, 
and you're going to die early emotionally. Pain is not the so, booby prize. So let me let me let me let me let me let me uh take this out of let me take this out of the college classroom for a second. For those of us <laughs> for those for those of you who are like me, I'm a bit of a nerd, right? And like I used to read the Batman I know I brought up Batman and everything, the Joker. And wasn't being funny, like I'm being totally serious. If you know the story of Batman or seen like any of the thousands of Batman movies that's been out, of course, you know, he witnesses his parents getting murked. So mm-hmm. because he never really dealt with that trauma, that pain, he did whatever he had to do and put on a giant bat costume and just start whooping people's ass all over <laughs> all over God. Right? So <laughs> So yeah. if he would have dealt with that pain properly, um, who knows? He probably wouldn't have put on that uh, put on that Batman on that cowl and everything. But much like Bruce Wayne, okay, we can all be the Bruce Waynes of our lives. We may not go and put on a uh, on a cowl and start whooping, uh, become a nighttime vigilante. You know, um, but we do do some sort of damage to not only our psyche but our physical body in that regard. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because Batman was Batman was battling his pain. Every time he okay. hit a bat guy, he was trying to he was trying to hit the dude that that killed his parents, and he was also punishing the child that didn't save his parents and didn't have the wherewithal. He was living in his pain. He treated the pain. Like a punishment, and he spent his life punishing himself and others in a bat costume. Yeah, yeah. So his arch nemesis, and I know I brought up the Joker, was a dude who didn't feel pain or empathy or nothing. He was just, you know, what are we doing? Watching the world burn. Fuck it. I mean, this is just what we do, right? And Lack of emotions makes you psychotic. <laughs> and therefore, those two are the best examples of what you're talking about right now. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you don't get this in check, you're going to either be a total psychopath or you're going to try and punish other people and yourself because of the pain that you never got through. And, and look at the emotional vigilantes. And it's not to put down causes, but inside a lot of causes – are people who are trying to vindicate and save other people, but also vilify the people who are causing the pain. It's, it's payback, it's hurt, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't reconcile and it doesn't heal. Like, you know, I'm not a feminist I just, and I'm not, I'm not any is. I just believe in human rights. And I believe in anything that creates a disparity between human life is a falsity that shouldn't be acknowledged. But the thing about it is there's falsities and disparities on all sides. And so I'm not going to get up there and say, women, you're strictly put down because of men. Because there are some cases where men can be conquered by the woman, but the woman Gives in to the man. I'm not going to say black people are actually conquered by white people because there's 
places where we can overcome and do and write those can't say nothing about it. But the thing about it is in our pain and our toil and our struggle, we start creating these heroes and these villains who battle each other out. And what happens is nobody ever gets saved and nobody ever gets healed. Mm. If I'm going through pain, my job is to understand that role that pain has in my life and then to find out the message that's coming from it and then act on that message. And so the way that you act on that message is going to determine whether you become Bruce Wayne, the socialite and, you know, healed person, or Bruce Wayne, Batman, or you become the Joker. But the thing about it is, as long as you look at pain as a death sentence, as a punishment, you're always going to have negative emotions tied to it, and every time you feel pain, you are going to start going into a negative space. Redefine pain. Find out what it's saying to you and act on it. Or as one of, one, one of my pastors said, you know, years ago, he said, you know, people come up to him and say, yo, why do I keep suffering the same thing? He said, because in the Bible, suffering means to be up under for the purpose of learning. The reason you keep suffering the same thing is because you haven't learned the lesson that you were supposed to get from it. So you got to keep going under it until you get it. Pain is a learning experience. Think about it. Ask it. What are you telling me? What is this a sign of? Or is this a test? Is this something that I should be coming through? And if you do that, your approach to pain is not going to be negative or fatalistic. It's going to be positive, and it's going to be forward-thinking. And when you walk out of that pain, you're not going to walk back into it again. And it's really that simple. This is saying, as I learned in my doctorate, it said the people who are happy are those who pretty much determine that they will be. And it's not because things around them are happy or their situation is happy. It's they just chose to be happy in their situation. And you have that choice. And that's the other thing. Understand that the locus of control, the, the place that is the center of your life that controls it is yours. And though you think you give it away, you don't. You just rent it out, and you do what people tell you to do. Nobody comes into your life and emotionally makes you sad. You accept sadness when it comes. Fight that. Redefine what pain is. And then if you want to find out more about how to deal with pain, like coping skills and strategies, you can um, hit us up at um, the next chapter, t.n.c on Instagram and ask a question and I'll get back to you. But I mean, there's a lot of coping skills. Like you said, you know, you have prayer, you have using your faith, you have music. Music therapy is a great therapy. Bibliotherapy is a great therapy. Read, you know, read the books like The Secret. And I'm not, I'm not endorsing The Secret, but books that encourage positive thought and ideas and forward thinking. Music, books, Find people, like you said, talk it out. The, let me tell you something. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a proponent of AA where I believe you're always an alcoholic, but I've seen AA meetings and I've seen the ability of people who've been through similar struggles help people through their struggles. So you have support systems. Find those. And like you said, and also have that emotional release. And you have that emotional release 
by accepting what you're dealing with and then framing it into like the positive, like we said, the pain. What am I going through? What's the sign? What is it teaching me? And you work through that. And if you redefine pain in a positive light and understand that your lack of ability to feel emotional or physical pain will kill you and that your ability to feel pain is what keeps you alive, you're going to appreciate it more and you're going to look at it as a benefit rather than a negative. And again, that will help you once you walk through that pain to stay out of that pain. And of course, there's more to it. I'm not telling you we can get all of this in four hours, but that's the basis. Gypsy, thoughts? Well, let, me, let, me, let me reiterate something really quickly. Listen, it's a, it's a stigma, and, I, and I'm probably stepping on your toes as a therapist, but, you know, hey, it's a stigma. We're going to a therapist. Oh, you know, especially yeah. in, in certain communities uh, such as ours. It's a stigma being um, a therapist. When you tell black folks you black and therapists, they look at you like, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I get that. Like, how they get you? Unless you're, unless you're, a, uh, unless you're a, a, a veteran, there to, and even even with the vet, here's the crazy. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a marine. Here's the crazy thing. Even with veterans, it's like, ooh, well, he had to go therapy. Ooh, how crazy is he? Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's really, it's really jacked up. But here's the thing about therapy, and I'm not an advocate for or against therapy. I'm gonna say say it like this: You're just talking to somebody that's smarter than you, that has a little bit more insight than you. Yeah. You can have therapy, you know, with your quote-unquote pastor, imam, whomever, if they are proving themselves to be wiser than you. You, If you have a – if all of your friends are the equal amount of stupid, go find another friend and talk <laughs> to them. I'm yeah. just saying you don't necessarily yeah, that's true. have to pay somebody thirty five, you know, thirty five dollars an hour, sixty dollars an hour to sit on the couch and talk to them. You may just hell, you talk yeah, to them. Yeah, they're getting a good therapist for that money. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't, it's know, more I don't than that, know how much it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I got you. You you're talking <laughs> about you talking about eighty to three hundred dollars an hour, depending on how well how well established they are. But um, hey, but I get what you're saying. Listen, I've had you most of my life, so it's free. So you've been free ninety nine mm-hmm. forever. Hold so- up, but listen, <laughs> listen, we got to get into a music. We're gonna play um, some Teddy, and we're gonna get back into wrapping this up, doing our affirmations, and then summarizing the show. So again, we talked about many ways to deal with pain, to work through it, and to overcome it. The main thing is you have to change how you look at it, and if you change how you look at it, you will change how you react to it. And like we said. You can purge, you can be honest, you can use music, faith, talking to skilled people, having that emotional release, but you have to, have to change what you're doing in your reaction to pain so you can be able to say what Teddy said in this song.
think I can understand Yes, I can But you didn't mean me no good Right now my heart That was Teddy P saying, it don't hurt now. And that's what we mean when we talk about working through pain. Not that it doesn't hurt, but it gets to a point where you can say it don't hurt now. And you still can talk about it. You still can reflect about it, and you can use it as a learning lesson and not relive it because One way that we can tell, and this is a clinical thing, that we measure how well you've overcome or dealt with some situation, we look at the difference in level and nature of response that you have now versus when you actually experienced it. So if you are at level nine when you experienced it and you're at level nine now, two years later when you talk about it, it shows that you did not process or go through the the steps to work through and overcome that pain, which means you got to do that work. But in this, um, Gypsy Soul Child brought up something about a current event, and he wanted to talk about how it relates to the topic, you know, and dealing with pain. So, Gypsy, I'm going to leave this one to you. Get on into it. Um, you got about three or four minutes, because then we got to go into our affirmations and our outro and our summary. So, get it in, bro. All right. Um, I know a lot of you probably heard about the Amber guy or the uh, situation where the uh, police officer shot the brother in his home and then only got 10 years. Um, Before we get into the tragedy of that, a lot of things that have uh, really caused people a lot of pain and a lot and stirred up a lot of emotions in regards to that, uh, especially black folks uh, that I've been talking to in these last two weeks was the fact that in the midst of the trial, after the trial, the during the sentencing, the the guy's brother, you know, said, you know, I forgive you, and went over there and hugged the hugged the woman. Then, you know, in during the sentencing, I guess there was a bailiff, and I've seen this on 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 uh, online. The bailiff was like kind of combing her hair with her with her with her hand, like running her hair through and you know just fixing her hair mm-hmm. so she'd be pretty. And then after it was all said and done, the judge came down and hugged this woman, and that caused a lot of a bevy of emotions from a bunch of black folks. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to know, have you seen that? Yes, I and, Okay, so that brought up a lot of pain for people, okay? So yeah. I want you to... We call that a triggering story. event. Again, welcome to Harvard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, 
what's your take on it, both clinically and uh, <laughs> oh, that's, just that's too long. I, I, I will say I will say this that um, it was a triggering event for me. It it reminded me of what was said by El Haj Malik El Shabazz when he was talking about like the house versus the field Negro. And he was like, you know, boss, we sick, boss, how we feeling. And there's one thing to forgive. There's one thing to empathize and there's one thing to sympathize. And I think what got me was the sympathy and the empathy for her when she clearly, you know, painted this negative picture of this man she was afraid of. I just heard, I, I haven't, and I have to preface it, I didn't, I didn't hear the trial, but I heard things that she said. I feared for my life, and he rushed at me, but then you hear he was sitting on his couch eating a bowl of ice cream. You know, and <laughs> so so the characterizations, and I have to get more, I have to get deeper into it, the characterizations that she placed on the event and the things that I heard after about the cooperation between police officers turning off body cams and all this other kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It shows that, and then she called and like, I'm screwed. And she, all the stuff that they said they did. And of course they pointed out the negative stuff. And I have to say, that's the stuff I'm privy to, but it shows a level of personal concern for him. I mean, for her before concern for him. And the empathy started when there was a punishment for it. But from what I understand, she didn't tell everybody, hey, keep your body cams on, keep records. You know what I'm saying? None of this. You know, there was a girl who taped taped it, and I heard that, you know, they confiscated her video, put a gag order on her, and she's getting threats. I haven't heard, you know, Amber Geiger talk about that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, when I hear this stuff and I see the empathy and the sympathy, I'm like, there's no empathy and sympathy given to the, the dude who got shot, you know, who witnessed the girl, you know, who's getting threats, you know, who came to testify. And so when I see this, I'm taken aback. And it reminds me of an enslaved mentality where not only do we forgive, but we take on the burden and the hardship of our victimizers and then talk about the pain they feel when they victimize us. I think it's a sickness. And in my, all my life, I've never seen a judge hug a murder victim. I've never seen a bailiff fix someone's hair. I've never heard of someone talking about let me hug my brother's murderer. And in this case, what disturbs me is that all participants were black to a white woman. I've never seen that much empathy on that side of the bar from those officials towards someone black in the same situation. So that bothers me. So That's how what I have you, to say. What do you, so what are you doing to overcome that? Well, the thing about it is I understand that is a test. That is a test of my resolve. What am I going to do to help erase and eradicate this position, mental position, in our people, right? And how well have I adjusted? This is the test 
that I can see that without becoming enraged and starting to despise or or just revile white people in general and whiteness in, in specific. And so I can say that I'm healed because that doesn't move me like that. That's not an experience that I'm aware of that I think needs to be rectified. But I didn't get mad at white people. I didn't get mad at black people. And I didn't get mad at the situation in the point where it had me twisted up inside and I couldn't function. I just was like, like in the test, I've been through this. I know what this feels like. The question is, are you going to do something about it? And if not, then you have no right to complain. That shows that I've adjusted to the pain. It wasn't that it wasn't triggering. It just didn't trigger me like it would have when that wound was new and open and exposed. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. I wanted to touch on that because uh, it's been a hot-button topic all over social media uh, in conversations at work, you know, that, you know, in the coffee shops and everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, like like we said in the first show, um, these are family conversations. You know what I mean? We have these conversations yeah. off offline, off air. Yes, yeah, so right. you know, so we just gonna we we gonna we can't this can't be a family conversation and not let the family in on the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about it. But that's a triggering event. You know what I'm saying? It's been many a times when black folks have went down at the hands of white folks and it's black folks who vindicated those white folks and told the outraged black folks how we should act. Back in the day, those were the house Negroes and they were used, and not just house Negroes, but just the Negroes who they could coerce and they were used to quiet us down. What did Elhaz Malik say? When something goes wrong, they're going to find a, a Negro in the suit to, you know, to refute how we feel and to state, you know, our position on behalf of the white man. I mean, it happens. You know what I'm saying? And so to see a black police chief, a black victim's brother, a black bailiff, and a black judge fawn over, fawn over, my bad, I said fawn over a white woman who went into a black man's house and then had the nerve to claim that she feared for her life and shot him. And I'm like, dude, I still don't understand, one, how she got in. Two, I don't understand how you not recognize your furniture in your house, and I don't understand how a grown person can walk into the wrong apartment. Like like I heard someone say, I was in college. You know, I partied. I got drunk. All the dorm doors looked alike. I've never walked in the wrong dorm room. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, how discombobulated do you have to be to park on the incorrect floor, walk down the incorrect hall, go in the incorrect door, not recognize this apartment doesn't look like yours? And then she said she feared for her life. Apparently, and I don't know this for certain, but they said he was in a robe sitting on the couch eating ice cream. How many killers do you know Put on a robe and eat ice cream before they kill you. I mean, it's just, and so it seems to me the response is not equal and reciprocal. The response that the black people gave to her were in line with someone who committed another crime in another manner. 
it just seems, it just like I said, it just seemed incongruent to me. It just, well, it just, it absolutely seemed just totally out of place, and it and it smacked of the mentality that we have learned about black folks who sided with white folks during oppressive times and felt sorry for the white folks because of their remorse for what they did to us, but did not show the same concern or remorse for their people who it was done to. Well, yeah, we, we got we to gotta break up. So, real quick, what's your affirmation for this week? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, you know what? I am going to – I have a issue with time. Sometimes we, me and time don't meet up <laughs> at, at the <laughs> right moment. Um, sometimes uh, time is a little faster than I am. Um, I, I sometimes <laughs> operate on, uh, dare I say, CPT time. Um, <laughs> CPT time. So I'm going to work on my time, time management and being on time places. I did, that was one of the things I did last week, and I was proud of myself. So I'm going to go back to, to that and see if I can get a two-week on-time streak. Okay. And mine is to continue reading. I'm going to get to the Tony Morrison. But my thing is to continue going until I'm reading at least one and a half to two books a week. And then biding my time more into my purpose, which is, you know, the writing and the preparing to do poetry and mental health seminars in public and get back to that life and switch over from a nine to five and working for people, even though I'm doing therapy, I'm working for a company and doing it for myself and making it more accessible to my people. So to continue reading and use that to push into. And then we're going to summarize this. The way that you overcome your pain is through using honesty, through purging, through finding a, a point of release, or, or reflection, be it music, your faith, talking it out with a knowledgeable and understandable friend, definitely getting that emotional release, and then reframing your concept of pain, understanding pain is a life-saving thing. It is not a punishment. It is not a, a, a doomsday event, and it's not something to make you lose your mind or they say lose your shit. It is a test. And it is a sign. And what you need to ask yourself when you start feeling pain is, am I being tested or is this a sign? And if it's a sign, what is it telling me? And then thank God or whoever you pray or believe in that you were able to feel that pain because without being able to feel that pain, you're going to physically die early and you're going to emotionally die early. And remember, without contact with your emotions, and that ability to feel pain, you become what we call a sociopath or antisocial, and that ain't good. Your ability to have morals and ethics is directly linked to your ability to have and feel emotions, which are going to include pain. So understand, pain is your savior. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, your, it ain't your gatekeeper, and it's not your warden. So with that, we thank you. This has been the Next Chapter Radio on the D-Hour Network. We're about to leave on our song. Always keep your eye on the spell. 
And understand, you got to work through your pain and overcome your pain. And you're going to do that by reframing. If you got any questions, hit us up on the next chapter, t.n.c, on Instagram and ask a question, let us know. With that, as they say, keep your eye on the spell, baby. Don't go to bed with no price on your head. No. No, no. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Pay the price. Mm-hmm. 